right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Gators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. And you can follow not one, but two of my co-hosts today. Uh, I'm joined by Demetrius Harvey. You can follow him at Demetrius82. This is going to be, I believe, the only episode Demetrius is on this week as he is going to be traveling through the rest of the week and unable to join us. But that's why we've got Brandon Carroll from SI's All Gators. He, he writes with us as well. Uh, he's going to be joining. He's going to be filling in throughout the week on the podcast as well as writing a little bit more on the site while Demetrius is away. So you can follow him on Twitter at It's B. Carroll. Uh, Demetrius, first, as always, say what's up to the people. And following that, Brandon, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do, I mean, what you've done with us and where you've come from in this journalism business uh, before we get on to our segment. First of all, I uh, just want to say what's up to everybody. I hope you have enjoyed our past episodes. Sorry we didn't have one yesterday for you guys, but typically we're on every single day. Uh, so you obviously can't complain. I won't be here. Yeah, so you can't complain. <laughs> obviously, I won't be here for the rest of the week. I have to handle some personal business, and Brandon's going to be a He's going to do a great job filling in for me, and I hope you guys enjoy. Oh, thank you, Demetrius. I really appreciate that. As Zach said, I am Brandon Carroll. I uh, currently am a contributing writer for SI All Gators. Uh, thanks to Zach. Uh, gave me an opportunity back in January, right after the Orange Bowl victory against Virginia for the Gators. Uh, I currently, um, you know, I'm doing that, trying to work towards uh, going to school for journalism at the University of Florida in uh, the upcoming spring. Uh, previously, I have written on Locked On Jaguars with Demetrius as my uh, as my editor there, and so he was able to reconnect with me um, as the SI's number two. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you know, just a kid loves football and and basketball and you know sports in general, and looking to get into a career. And I'm thankful for the two men alongside me today for giving me the opportunity that I was searching for. Yeah, man, we're excited to have you, and we know that you do good work. So, again, everyone, make sure to go and follow him on Twitter for takes, as well as all of his stories. You can find him at It's B. Carroll. And we are going to be talking today about recruiting, uh, as well as uh, Dan Mullen's return press conference as they prepare for Missouri, and just exactly what we're going to, you know, what our early observations are of this upcoming game against Missouri. But we are going to start off with recruiting The Gators started off the week with a bang by landing SI's number 54 overall prospect in the class of 2021. The number seven edge rusher, Jeremiah Williams, out of Ramsey High School in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I know Demetrius has been doing a lot more team, and Brandon and I have seen a lot more of Scooby. He's a a good edge rusher prospect. He's a guy that's been recruited by Christian Robinson, so they probably do like him in playing some off-ball linebacker, and he's shown that he can do it. He can cover... Uh, he can blitz through uh, interior gaps from playing off the ball. However, 6'4", 220-pound dude with room to fill out. Really athletic, a big hustle guy. He can bend corners. He's starting to develop inside counter moves. I think this dude is a buck. I think that with the amount of guys you have at buck that you can really you know, come along slowly with his development. You don't need to rush him. Maybe use him, like Demetrius has said, a little bit like Muamu Diabate, where you can use him off-ball and on the ball in a limited role to start his career. But with what they've got at Buck, they really would, won't need to rush him when he's in the fold, and they can turn him into a dynamic 
go-to guy at Buck that they've been looking to develop as a pure freshman and onward. Brandon, I mean, what say you? Well, I like the Diabate comparison in terms of his usage, just because, uh, you know, Diabate was a guy last year that we saw have success off the edge uh, as a buck in, in relief of uh, Jonathan Grenard at times, obviously Ja'Kai Polite as well, or not Ja'Kai Polite, I'm sorry about that, uh, and um, Jamari Zuniga. Yeah, sorry, Rams are playing kind of off track. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, uh, I, I like what Scooby is able to do. I think he's very instinctual. I think he can, uh, you know, make plays off the edge. And even more than that, he's versatile. And I think that's, we're seeing a lot of players from this uh, Gators defensive recruiting being versatile guys that they can use in a multitude of different ways, which is going to be proof for successful um, in, in the long run, in my opinion, for the future of this unit. Absolutely. I feel as though this, this take or whatever you want to call it for the Gators is probably one of their best recruiting adventures of the season. I mean, they, of course they, they, they've obviously got Corey Collier. They got Jason Marshall. They've got a few highly, highly rated recruits over the past few months, but getting a guy like Scooby in into the fold, you know, you're going to be able to have a guy who can play multiple positions. Like Zach said, obviously play buck, like, you know, maybe a Diabati, like I've said in the past, I mean, the kid has posted 94 tackles, 71 so it's, uh 27 tackles for loss, and 13 sacks heading into this this season. And he just seems like an all-around athletic. What happened? Yeah, from from Max Preps. I don't and, think uh, they're actually that updated because 247 has him at 25 sacks over the past two years and 31 tackles for loss. Is that including is that including this uh, this year though? No, but Max Preps when I looked earlier today, it didn't look like they were including this year. Well, either way, I mean, one way or is, another, the dude is disruptive. It's just right. I don't know which the, 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 the point is, he's he's a disruptor, and he'll get after the passer, and that's kind of what the Gators need. I know that now, obviously, they've kind of looked a little bit better because of some statistics, which we'll probably get into eventually. And um, they just need to be able to have another guy out there to balance a little bit more, and and he's going to bring a lot to the table. And I think that Gator fans, you guys should be excited about this this take and and hope for the best. Without a doubt, and before we move on to our next segment talking about this game week, a little bit more in recruiting. We knew this was coming in some capacity, at least when I got to speak with him, another SI-99 linebacker, this one Xavier Sori out of IMG Academy down in Bradenton. Priority Gators target, first school to offer him a couple years ago. He was on campus yesterday for, I guess you can call it an unofficial visit, it's the recruiting dead period, the moratorium because of the coronavirus pandemic, so coaches could not be there with him, anything with him, nothing official with the school. But he's free to stop by campus and do whatever he wants. He told us that he was planning on doing it with his entire top five, specifically wanting to see LSU because he hasn't gotten to do much of a visit there except for a game. But he didn't see much of campus. So this was coming. He wants to see the school. Suddenly, Jeremiah Williams, a guy uh, from Birmingham, Alabama, who which is a lot closer um, to where stories from being Graceville up in northern, northwestern Florida. Uh, he's transferred down to IMG, but he's from Graceville, so he's not that far from Scooby. He's not that far from Terry and Arnold. You're looking at a potential swing of momentum here down the stretch for the Gators. A trifecta, if you will. That would be an amazing storyline to, ha- to have all three of them, Sorry, Arnold, and Scooby Williams, just at the same time, almost. I, I think I saw earlier that Tarion was supposed to be putting out his top five in December. 
Yeah. And then I think he's going to commit a little bit later than that. I have seen stuff where they where he did say that he was going to be committing all the way up until maybe February. I tend to think that that is probably not the case. He's probably going to commit a little bit earlier, but we'll see. And the Gators will probably love to have him, and they'll wait as long as they can because of just the sheer prospects that they've already been able to bring in at safety. So it's going to be interesting to see, and, and I guess they'll hope for the best in terms of getting that trifecta. Absolutely. And, you know, we're looking at Xavier Stor- Sorry, who, uh, you know, Jeremiah Williams is a guy that Florida was able to steal away from Auburn, who has had success on the trail in recent years, you know, and it looks as if if Florida can pull off the trifecta, as uh, Demetrius uh, said, they're going to be able to pull away guys from Alabama, and you know, LSU and Georgia. Uh, if they can do that, that kind of looks as if it's going to be a turn from some of these high, highly recruiting uh, powerhouses of sorts into the University of Florida, which really swing momentum for years to come and result in, you know, uh, more success on the field than they already have had in recent years since Dan Mullen took over the helm um, in the 2018 season. Three years since Dan Mullen took over, you feel like a guy like Xavier Sori, especially when you're able to pry someone like Jeremiah Williams away from his in-state school of Auburn, it makes the battle with a top five of SEC schools for Xavier Sori feel like a must win. It feels like it's time that Florida pulls mm-hmm. off that battle. He seems like the prospect to do it for. We will know sooner rather than later as he plans to enroll early what the decision is for Xavier Sori, but maybe he'll be teaming up with a stud pass rusher in Jeremiah Williams who committed to Florida today. Speaking of, well, I guess yesterday, because you'll be listening to this on Tuesday. But anyway, speaking of things that happened on Monday, Dan Mullen spoke with the media. We're going to be breaking down his comments after these messages. All right, guys, it's time to get real. I'm sick and tired of going to the storefronts, looking for a car part, and I can't find it. I don't care how many different cars there are in America right now, and no, I don't want to wait 10 business days for you to find my part either. I'm over it. That's why I've started to go on rockauto.com. I don't even have to leave my place. I can just log on, find my part, and get it. On top of having to wait forever at a store, they upcharge you upwards to 30, 50, maybe 100% more than rockauto.com. That's ridiculous. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Rockauto.com. Make your life easier. Make the storefront's life harder. Go get your stuff. Rockauto.com. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light. 
in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coreslight.com. That's get.coreslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. So we got to talk to Dan Mullen. Uh, we spoke with him last Wednesday on the SEC Coaches Conference, but he did not do a typical Gators media conference. This week he did. Wasn't as long as they usually are. Uh, which you know They usually go a good 30 minutes or so, but he seems ready to get back out and onto the field, Demetrius, to get this team ready to play Missouri. So, you know, what did we learn about the team as they'll be preparing to get reacclimated and ready to field a roster of at least 53 players? Yeah, that's what Dan Mullen said. He said that, you know, the SEC's regulation or, you know, advisement was to have at least 53 scholarship players. And he fully expects at least that amount of that number of players to be available on Saturday against Missouri. And they're basically just reacclimating at this point. I mean, we know that the SEC has guidelines where they have to work out only 25%, and then I believe 50%, and then I believe 70% before they get to the full on 100% on Thursday or Friday. I forget which day it is. And that's going to be interesting to see how exactly that these guys battle back. And Dan was kind of, you know, so-so about it in terms of, you know, he thinks that the guys are pretty good at taking extended periods off. Obviously, they didn't have a spring. Obviously, they had a shortened fall. So, I guess that he understands that these guys are prepared as best as they can to take these two weeks and still remain on track to what they were doing prior to the bye period, as Zach says. But I, I we learned some during this press conference. I mean, Dan, obviously, he felt as though the quarantine period, you know, wasn't enough. You can't get anything done really during practice. He says that there wasn't really much to do. They did Zoom meetings. He made sure to tell us that. So, you know, maybe they're not going to be as prepared as we think because they weren't able to get much done during the bye period. I mean, they got some rest, and I guess we'll find out. You know, according to Dan, that's just how it goes. If you don't practice, you can't really get much done. So I think that eventually they'll figure it out, and maybe this week they'll get right back on track to where they were. Brandon, what are your concerns with this Florida team, especially what we've seen of them through three weeks of play? After well, missing two weeks of practice and, and and having to get reacclimated, especially for guys that weren't able, that did have to quarantine or did test positive, that have to actually get back into a real game flow. The whole team does, but especially those guys. Well, before I touch on that, I want to kind of touch on what Demetrius said real quick about how Dan Mullen uh, mentioned how they can't really do much from, a, you know, not being in person, not being at practice. I... I kind of look at it differently. I feel like there should have been, you know, some schematical changes, some schematical, you know, especially defensively, uh, a, a way to move from what has not been working throughout this season. Obviously, we've seen massive struggles on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so it's more or less a time to really break down what has been going on throughout the season and make it to where we can start to see change from that unit because it's not getting done. And it, it's something that's holding back the entire unit as a whole. Um, but from, you know, getting reacclimated in general, getting back to practice, I think it, this, is a, this is a team that offensively, we're going to look at them. I feel like there's going to be a day or two where they're going to have to get back into the rhythm of being that in, in that game week routine. Um, but ultimately they're going to be able to 
with with the talent that they have and with the success they've had all season, it might not be to the same extent um, because of the time off. But I still think we see a motivated and a team ready to get back onto the field. Defensively, however, without that time to uh, work through some of the kinks that have been gone on throughout the season, it could be a bit difficult. And we could see another week of struggle against the Missouri team who has shown that, you know, they can rush the football. They can convert on third downs, things that Florida has struggled with throughout this season so far. They can do all those things. We could raise, you know, questions on can Florida, you know, is is it going to be another Texas A&M-like game or Ole Miss-like game where they just cannot pull away until the very end where it's like, okay, well, there it is. Or even like, you know, Texas A&M, they couldn't pull away and ended up losing um, because of that. So, Demetrius, we're going to be talking more about Missouri and their offense in the next segment. But Mullen said, I mean, I know that you were joking a little bit about the idea of what they were able to do during the uh, during the bye period. I wasn't but, joking at all. That's exactly what Dan Mullen told me today, <laughs> that they can't really get much done um, during that time period. You know, they, they got some rest, which is good. I mean, Dan has said that they've had plenty of players, you know, who are a little bit, bit banged up. Obviously, Ethan White and Ethan Pouncey were supposed to come back in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see them. I'm not. I'm just saying that's what he said. And, you know, if, if they can't get much done, I, I understand that. They're not on the practice field, so there's not really much to do. Well, regardless, he said that he came in and has challenged the defense. Uh, instead of telling them what to do, he's challenged them. So I'm just trying to imagine exactly what that would look like. I'd figure he's coming in and maybe presenting different concepts to the things that they've been running. Because I certainly believe that there are some schematic issues on top of the you know issues with their talent. It really goes all across the board. But with that being said, I mean, what do you take away? Where could the defense have improved in this time off? Well, I mean, Dan sort of talked about it before and how there were some personnel changes that they were going to implement in the game week against LSU that was obviously postponed to December. <laughs> So I'm actually interested to see what those sort of changes are. And I'm kind of guessing a little bit that maybe the at linebacker, we might see a little bit of some new blood in there. I know that we talked about this, how Derek Wingo should maybe get some snaps. I feel as though if that's sort of the direction that they want to go, maybe you can switch it up and have Bernie play a little bit less, put Derek Wingo in there, put some James Houston in there, some Ventrell Miller. You know what I mean? So like just switch it up a little bit and maybe that's sort of the direction that the defense goes. I'm not exactly sure how they can change much schematically this far into the season, especially when they haven't had much time to practice that. And, you know, they can't really implement all of that in one week, especially when it's already going to be shortened due to the reacclimation period. So basically I'm just curious to see exactly what they're going to change. And honestly, even though that they had these two weeks off, if the defense kind of fares exactly how they have over the course of the season, I'm not exactly sure how much that will affect the out the overall outcome of the game this Saturday. Yeah, so, you know, we're looking at this defense, and obviously Mullen came in and challenged them of sorts. And I think what is really going to be that challenge is kind of laying – I feel like there's a necessity to lay out the law and say, you know, some of these veteran players that aren't performing up to par need to be challenged in terms of if you're not the best player that is can be put on the field – then you're, you're not going to be put on the field. And so I think we're going to see him say, like, no one's job is safe because right now it's not getting done. And I think if that is the challenge that he laid out for this defense, then we could see some big changes in terms of, uh, you know, more motivated and a more uh, 
def- defensively sound squad from Florida because it's it's not uh, up to par of what we've seen in the past from a team that normally is, is really the strength is their defense. You know, we've heard Dan Mullen talk so much about competition being what makes this team thrive. As much as saying a guy that, you know, we've really talked about him as a Heisman contender since the season started, but there were some people giving him, you know, Heisman odds or whatever in the offseason, that being Kyle Trask. It took until the season started for Dan to admit that Kyle was their starter, really. I mean, that's just how he operates. Let's see if he can be held to that with the idea that, you know, Defensive players aren't playing that well. Maybe we're going to try other guys and bench our starters or experienced guys in favor of younger talent or guys that haven't had the opportunities yet or have been showing out in practice and have burned a shot. because It's not cutting it defensively. When we come back, we're going to be doing a little bit more previewing of this Missouri game, just some early thoughts as to what Missouri could do well against this Florida team after these messages. So I know that Brandon is working on getting a preview ready about Missouri and what they do well. One thing we saw this past weekend when Missouri was playing Kentucky was, I think everyone talked about it, that 21-22 play drive controlled so much of the clock. I mean, it ended the game at 43 minutes in time of possession, uh, but specifically on that drive, just chewed it away in the second half. Um, We have seen Florida struggle on conversion downs all season long. So Brandon, I'm going to let you present those stats and you don't have to go too far in depth. I know you want to save some for your story, but Florida even struggled on conversion downs pretty badly against South Carolina. South Carolina has been miserable. Otherwise there comparatively speaking, like give us a rundown between those two teams, South Carolina, and Missouri. So we're looking at a South Carolina team that throughout the, all of their games they've converted on 35 of 78 combined third and fourth downs for a percentage of 44.9 percent you know and in this year's sec defense has been lacking of sorts and so you know we look at it we're like oh i mean that's not terrible it's not great but for a team like south carolina that has went through really a complete makeover on the offensive side of the ball it's still something you want to see that's higher Missouri, on the other hand, has converted on 50.7% of their third and fourth downs this season with 56% against Kentucky. And so, and Kentucky being a team that went going into the game was ranked 20th nationally in total defense. So it wasn't a Kentucky squad of old where we look at the defense and we're like, oh, you know, it, they're, they're going to get slashed up game in, game out. It, it's not that team because this is a team that held Tennessee to seven points just a week prior. And it, it you know, I feel like Missouri does a lot of the things that Florida struggles to contend with, and that's going to be – could be an issue um, going forward into this game. The thing that works well for Florida is Missouri's defense just is not that good. They've got a couple of guys that are decent. Gene DeLance might struggle if they decide to pin one of their two decent edge rushers on his side, and they both have experience playing on the left side of the defensive line. So we could see that matchup. Otherwise, I don't really see – that much happening maybe nick bolton doing some stuff so florida should have no issue scoring like we've seen all year but whether it was like last weekend where missouri ran 62 times for 220 yards a slow death by a thousand paper cuts type of style um 
or like the week before, and I keep messing up the pronunciation of his name, but Connor Bazalek, I'm pretty sure, threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns against LSU. So, like you said, Brandon, it's one way or another, they're doing things well that Florida does struggle with. Demetrius, I mean, we kind of talked about this before last week, but does that really, does that give you the feel of, maybe this isn't even correct to call it a trap game because of Florida's circumstances, but it is without a doubt one that no one should feel comfortable about. Oh, no, I don't think that this game is a trap game at all. I think that it's just a normal game that Florida's going to have to contend with, just as if they were playing an LSU or Kentucky or any other team that sort of comes in and is a legitimate competitor. I mean, this is the same Missouri team that went toe-to-toe with LSU the week before on offense. I believe the game ended 45-41. to And obviously last week they defeated Kentucky 20-10. to And that's the same Kentucky team that blew out Tennessee. So it's definitely not going to be an easy game. And I feel as though the Tigers are very good at playing to their matchups, playing to or game planning against a team that they know what the sort of identity is, this could be a shootout pretty easily. Both defenses has have struggled. Both offenses has have uh, actually done well in games. So this is going to be an interesting matchup, and I think that they actually have done things that the Gators have struggled on. I believe 43 minutes and 10 seconds of time of possession against Kentucky. I mean, that's outrageous. If they do that against Florida, they're easily going to win. So – Florida's just going to have to stand down and, and figure out their ways to get that sort of time of possession, get the momentum on their side, and make sure that they can win. Brandon, not to mention, and I know last year's result, Florida won. You know, it wasn't a high-scoring game at all, but it seemed like Florida won somewhat handily by a score of 23-6. to six. Yet, Florida had struggles throughout the game, and that's on par for how Florida and Missouri have fared in the uh, in the past. So, I mean, I'll ask you the same question. Like, what's your, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about this game? 10 being, like, you know, freaking out. Well, you know, we're looking at Missouri, and you guys mentioned how their defense hasn't been great this season. Only, uh, you know, they only, they have allowed 16 t- touchdowns through four games. So, four touchdowns a game, uh, 28 points-ish. Uh, two opposing teams. However, they have only allowed 365 yards. Um, so, you know, it, it's because of that time of possession battle. So not giving the offense, uh, the opposing offense, the football is is huge for how Missouri operates. They want to control that clock. And after Tennessee ran all over them, they've been very stout in the run game as well. But, you know, we're looking at uh, a Missouri team who has been through this going on their third quarterback in three seasons, um, you know, Drew Locke, in the year that they beat Florida in the swamp in 2018, Kelly Bryant last year, and Florida got the victory um, at Missouri. And now um, I can't say his last name. Um, it, We're gonna go to, with Connor Bazalik. Bazalik, okay, just works. All right, actually, yeah, it, it flows, it flows. But you know, if I had to put a number on this game in terms of you know how worried I am. Right now, I'd put about a you know seven or eight just because of the way Missouri's able to control the ball, the way they're able to run the football. Um, you know, obviously getting Kyrie Campbell back this week um, will help Florida in that department. Um, but they just have to get off the field, and that's something that Missouri has done. You know, they continue to excel at. And if Florida can't get off the field the way they haven't been able to in the previous games, 
Missouri might not allow them to be able to put up the 40-plus points, 42, I'm pretty sure, that Florida's averaging on the year. Kyrie Campbell tweeted earlier tonight, again, we're recording Monday night, that he you know, feels good to be back. And it seems like he finally could be playing. Then again, although it hasn't been him saying it, Dan Mullen has said every week that he expects them and everyone to be available. And lo and behold, Kyrie Campbell hasn't played it down yet. So I'll believe everyone's going to play. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. But man, one in addition that would be for a struggling defense. We'll see as the week goes on if we get any updates if that's happening. If not, we'll see on Saturday if Kyrie Campbell is back. I do have something to say. I know uh, Gators Territory actually confirmed it um, about two hours ago. Zach, um, all of the dirty, all of the dirty. How do you say it? Adalberti. Yeah, Adalberti. Yeah, um, he com- they confirmed it and um, that the two-year starter will be given the green light to play this weekend according to their sources. So I don't know if that's kind of a um, jump of the gun there. I didn't completely read the article. Um, probably should before I said that. But, you know, I, no, I think if, they, if they've said that much. Yeah, he he's, he tweeted it out. I retweeted it, so um, that's what I'm uh, basing it off of. Obviously, Kyrie did tweet, um, but it was confirmed by another credible source of the Florida beat. Gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, hey, talk about a massive addition right there. Huge Definitely. addition. They need him. In which case, we'll be talking a lot more about Kyrie Campbell throughout the week. That has given us some segments, but those will be for another time. As for today. We will be wrapping up today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, make sure to go subscribe, rate, and review. You guys can listen to Lockdown Gators just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. So make sure to go do that and follow us on Twitter. Myself at Zach underscore Goodall. Demetrius at Demetrius82. And Brandon at It's B. Carroll. And of course, the Lockdown Gators handle at Lockdown Gators. Catch up with you guys next time.